ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you this. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Sports Central. Chicago Sports Conversation with Adam Hogue. Go, go, go. This is Sports Central. On demand and streaming live on WGNRadio.com. What's up? What's going on? Adam Hogue here with you. Sports Central, Kevin Powell in the house today, too. It's Wednesday, April 3rd. No, it's Tuesday. What day is it? It's Tuesday. Uh, I can confirm it's Tuesday. Ugh. So we, you and I had like just briefly, as the show was starting, talked about Dante DiVincenzo. And yeah. I'm watching him last night. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? He's dunking <laughs> over everyone. He's hitting threes. He scored 31 points off the bench. He's single-handedly won. Like, I shouldn't say he single-handedly won that game, but he put away Michigan. So I had Sox post-game duties last night, and... I we got done and it was right as the second half was starting and I was like, do I sit here and watch this for an hour or do I just listen to it on in the car ride home? And I decided to listen to it and I'm like the same the whole ride home. Who is Divincenzo? Who is this guy? Then I get home and they're showing the highlights on TBS and I'm like. This guy's incredible. No, and he was not even like the classic white guy off the bench just hitting threes. He's like penetrating the defense. He's dunking over no. their big man, just like completely dominating the, the block game. he had on Charles Matthews. He he's had. 17 twice. feet in the air. He blocked it twice with his right hand and then his left hand wedged it between the rim and the glass. It was I incredible. Think, I think he should leave early. <laughs> Go t- lottery pick. Lot- man. The Bulls will draft this guy, and he will be awful. And he's playing with like this cockiness and swag. He's winking at people on the on court side. I'm like, this guy's incredible. Oh, I was hoping for a better game, but I think a lot of us anticipated that would happen. What did happen? Well, that is that large is, margin. That is our lead today on Sports Central. Obviously, the nomination has another national championship. Jim Nance. Jim, didn't we find out who Jim Nance gave his tie to? You know the tie thing? No, I, I didn't see that well, story. So this was like a, a a tradition that no one knew about. It, it, you know, a tradition unlike any other. Yeah, um, it really is Tig- unlike Tigers. This, back, this one actually is unlike. We could talk some golf later. I'm happy to. I love Masters Week. Same. In fact, screw this. That's our strike. <laughs> our strike. We're going to strike the weather here in Chicago. We're going to go to Augusta this weekend. Um, Jim Nance two years ago. Got caught on camera. Actually, I, don't, I shouldn't say caught on camera. Some like local TV station found, like, caught him giving his tie after the national championship game to uh, uh, the, the the Villanova player that's on the Bulls, Archie Diacchino, Right, that's his name. Yeah, sounds yeah. accurate. Um, and and the TV station was like, "What is that all about?" And did a story on it. Apparently, for years. He has, after the end of the tournament, given his tie that he wears in that game, in the National Championship game, to one of the players who like represents great sportsmanship and like blah, blah, blah. And really, it was like this big deal two years How ago. How have I missed this story? So then last year, everyone wanted to make it a big deal. Like, who did you give your tie to? What's, you know, who gets the tie? And he's like, well, I'm not doing it now. Like, the whole thing was supposed to be behind the scenes. It wasn't supposed to be a big deal. So they kind of spoiled it for him? I'm wondering if he did it this year, though. I didn't see it. All I know is that CBS had, in the post-game celebration, where Nance is on a stage and he's interviewing players and sort of narrating the post-game festivities, Mm -hmm. they didn't have a... They tried to basically use a camera from one of the, like... What do they call, like, the... I was going to say sky cam, but, like, uh, you know, the over-court 
camera. Well, that that's came. because everyone filled in in front of Nance. Right, there was no cameras. Because Except, I don't think that was planned. He right, like, but they did have like an actual cameraman on the stage or anything like that. They were trying to use the overhead camera. Yeah. And you couldn't even see Nance, and they were like they were like flashing to different camera angles, and like Nance would appear for a second, and then like it's sort of like that uh, Homer Simpson uh, GIF where he like disappears into the bushes. Near yeah, the house. yeah, like that's <laughs> yeah. kind of what kept happening. Jim Nance yeah. would just like slowly disappear into the crowd of Villanova players. Well, uh, and then someone he tried to go to break, and someone one of the players tried to grab his microphone. Right, that and was awkward. I'm like, whoa! whoa, whoa but Nance played whoa, it classy, and whoa. he just kept it going. He's like, "No, we're going to." We're well, first of all, that guy did not get Jim Nance's tie. Trust <laughs> me, you do no. not interrupt no. Jim Nance and try take, to take yeah. Nance's microphone. What is wrong with you? Uh, but this Divincenzo dude was un- and 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 seriously, it wasn't like just some some random white guy getting hot. In the national championship, just game. completely dominated. He was he, he was doing more than just shooting. He's got size. He's got athletics. He looked like a legit player to me. I know. I looked him up because when he came on the court, and I just figured like to default, I just thought he was sort of the short white guy off the bench that would hit threes. And I look him up. I'm like, he's got some size. This dude's big. He's an athlete. Ben, do you have that block he had on Matthews? It, this play was this play was ridiculous. CBS or uh, TBS, I should say, had the. Uh, Freeze frame, did you see this? The freeze frame, like 360 view when when he was at the top of his jump as he stood up Charles Matthews. Here's the highlight. Wagner gives it off to Robinson. Robinson on a bounce to Matthews. Matthews round to the rim. DiVincenzo with the rejection. Eight to shoot Michigan with a basketball in the corner. I mean, obviously the audio doesn't do it justice, but if you can find that freeze frame that TBS showed, he, he legit had like a 40-inch vertical on that. Yeah, it was a, it was impressive stuff. By the way, a 0 for 7 for the Big Ten in national title games. They've lost the last seven. Michigan lost to Nova last night. Wisconsin, your Badgers losing to Duke. In thanks, thanks for bringing that up. In 13, Michigan again losing to mm-hmm. Louisville. 09, Michigan State fell to North Carolina. 07, Ohio State lost to Joakim Noah's Florida Gators. 2005, Illinois losing to North Carolina. 2002, Indiana lost to Maryland. Yeah. Not a good look for the Big Ten, Hogue. You're a Big Ten guy. Well, here's what's underrated impressive about that list, though. Obviously not the highlight. The highlight is that they lost all those games. Six different Big Ten teams, though, making the national championship. Yeah. That's that's, impressive. That is impressive. I mean, they've had different teams do it. Uh, And and a lot of different programs. You throw Purdue in there, too. That's been really good. You know, it's almost surprising that Michigan State's only made one of those games that they lost. But... Yeah, since 2001, the ACC has the most in seven national titles. Duke winning three, North Carolina winning three, and Maryland winning one. The Big East has six, although the Big East is is is, is different now. Uh, SEC has three. Kentucky, by the way, hasn't won. I guess I shouldn't say hasn't won since 2012. That's fairly recent. Um, the Big 12, Kansas in 2008, and the AAC, uh, UConn in 2014. You know what made this tournament so good, though? You got a little bit of everything. Yeah. Including, though, and this is important, the best team won it. Right. Okay, so you had all the That's randomness that you usually do, yep. and, and I'm always going to go... And more f- randomness than we've ever seen. People, Yeah, people criticize the NCAA tournament because a lot of times the best team doesn't win. I'm okay with that because the rest of the show is great, and I just want to be entertained. Right. And in terms of a three-week thing, the way it's paced out, uh, it goes by fast. It's not like... The hockey playoffs, which last seven months, 
And then the season lasts another seven, and that's 14 months, and that's really what it feels like. It does feel like uh, The NCAA tournament goes by very quickly. It's fun to watch. And this had all the randomness. It had the Cinderella stories. It had all the upsets. It was so unpredictable. But in the end, you had a great story in Michigan that had gone on a great run, and they get exposed, and nothing... Don't take anything away from Michigan. They hadn't lost a game since February 6th. They were playing outstanding basketball. But what they what Villanova showed, to me that was all Villanova last night. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just nobody was beating that team. Great great run, Loyola. They would have lost by 30. They would have got killed. I mean, they would have been, they would, it would have been ugly. As it was for Michigan. Villanova, you have your sixth man come off the bench and score 31 damn points. It was incredible. John Beeline should be given a ton of credit. Because you look at that Michigan team, it's not that impressive. The fact that he took no. them to a national title. There's Mo Wagner. Charles Matthews had a horrible game last night, by the way. You know what I give John Beeline the most credit for, though? And this is really, really impressive when you think about it. He makes Michigan likable. That's a good point. Like he, because John, Be- GB, John Beeline single-handedly makes you want to root for that team because he is yeah. such a good, classy, nice coach. I'll say this about the tournament, and I think a part of it has to do with Loyola. Part of it has to do with the fact that I was fortunate to be able to go down there and, and be up close and, and personal with it and see it. I absolutely have a newfound interest in college basketball. I've been one of the... All right. Um, I've always I've enjoyed it. I enjoy March Madness because I love all sports. I love football and baseball. I also love basketball and hockey and, and golf and everything. But college hoops to me was always an inferior product to the NBA, despite what many say. It's the NBA the the quality of basketball is better than college basketball. That's that's a fact. Because the the talent in the NBA is far superior to what is in college basketball. Mm-hmm. But the overall product of college hoops for me was the past two seasons, I guess, is where it's sort of piqued my interest a little bit more than I would say in the past. But I absolutely have more of an interest in college basketball because of what Loyola did and I guess following them closely and watching them so closely and watching their their play that um, I, I can't believe I was thinking about this last night and I was like, you know what? I'm like really like looking forward to next season. I'm probably going to pay a lot more close attention during the regular season. I guess it's easy for me to say that now, the day after a national title, the day after one of the great tournaments of all time, but yeah. I, I actually genuinely have more of an interest in college basketball now. I guess from yeah, I guess from what Northwestern did last year, I'm always pulling for my Illinois State Redbirds. Maybe they're the uh, the next to end their drought uh, next season. Mm-hmm. And then following Loyola. No. So um, <laughs> it's doable. At that MVC, if you win that tournament, man, it's wide open with no Wichita. Um uh, I, I have a newfound interest in college basketball. All right, yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah no one, nobody, anybody who who you can say you prefer uh, college basketball to the NBA. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But the people who try to say it's actually better that's it's just not. that's just not it's, true. It's not true. I once got in an argument with somebody who said that Dave Matthews Band was better than Led Zeppelin. And it was the same type of argument. You can prefer Dave Matthews Band to Led Zeppelin if you would like, but to argue that Dave Matthews Band is better than Led Zeppelin in the the you know the all time big picture right. of music right, right, right. is is just idiotic. Um, here's something I had a problem with, and I need to consult you on this because you were inside the stadium on Saturday. Okay, okay. what do you got? But I specifically noticed this, and I don't think we ended up getting in the radio call. I think we have the TV call, but it's okay. Um, there was something from the game 
from Saturday to Saturday's games, basically the whole Final Four weekend, that really caught my ear as I was driving home last night. And this is just a random play that we're going to play here, but see if you can pick up on it. Towns. Tough shot, and he caught it. Okay. Listen closely in the background. Was it this? One more time. Let's play that and just listen closely in the background. Towns. Tough shot, and he caught it. Was it the brew call you're talking about? Do you hear the horn in the background? I saw people tweeting about that. I have no clue what everyone's talking about. And I think, I think Dave tweeted. Can we play one more time for him? Tough shot, and he caught it. What is that? It sounds like a car horn. That's the horn that they were playing for substitutions. Now, that must have been on a shot clock violation, the fact that it would go off in the middle of the play. Yeah. But it's like... The, any any basketball game you go to, there's a horn that goes off when there's subs. It's more of a buzzer normally. Right. It's like more a, of a buzzer. This horn sounded like a, a Volkswagen Beetle. It sounds like when you, you do the, uh, the the semi-truck thing. We like, no, you, it didn't even sound like a truck. It, sound, it sounds like some crappy car. Let's hear Beep! It's, it's like the horn off a Model T. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Let's hear it one more time, Ben. Tough shot, and he caught it. It, it, yeah, you know what? Um, it wasn't as pronounced on the TV call. For some reason, the Westwood One call. As I was driving home on the, it was. I wanted to change the channel. It, it was so. It was so it, profound. It, you it was hear drowning it. out the announcers. I didn't notice it. Um, I guess now that you mention it, I do remember hearing it. Well, you were in the building. I thought you would have noticed it. Um, probably not, because where I. No, I think you probably notice it more from TV and the and the radio call because the mics are courtside and they're okay. picking it up a little bit. I I didn't. It wasn't as much of a distraction for me in the stadium. Like it didn't stand out to me. I wasn't like, what is that? In, in all the basketball I've ever watched, yeah. been to at any level, I mean, high you just go to like seven year old basketball games, and there's the like horn, a the horn sounds the same. I've never heard of the it's, basketball. It's not horn. a horn. It's a buzzer. Oh, yeah, like you're right. Ninety percent of the time, you're right. It's more like a buzzer. It, <clears throat> it sounds the same at any game I've ever been to <laughs> in the history of my you know grade school, whatever. Yeah. I've never heard of the horn sounding different. That's funny. And I'm going. I'm, I'm like, what is it? It sounds like they literally have a car at center court and someone sitting in the front seat honking the horn. <laughs> it's like one guy's job was to be the buzzer guy. Like, dude, bring us the buzzer for the tournament. And he forgot the buzzer, and he ripped a horn out of a car, and was like, "I got, I got it, guys. We're good. We're good. I got a horn. We're good." It was driving me crazy. <laughs> we, don't I don't need, we don't need a buzzer. I got a horn, right. man. Uh, all right. So <laughs> here's what we're doing on the show today. Uh, yeah, do, we have, do we have any guests? We didn't even have like a pre-show meeting. I have no idea what's on the show. No, today. We're, we're flying by. No, I have a bunch of stuff. To, okay, here's a couple things we want to talk about. No guests today. Oh, cool. it's just you and me, man. That's fine. Um, Bears mock draft 3.0. All right. It's coming out this afternoon. Is Quentin Nelson going to the Bears? Uh, we already did that in 1.0. Okay. <laughs> so I don't repeat the picks because otherwise it would make it really redundant and boring to read. Right. Right. And just to clarify, this your mock drafts are absolutely what's going to happen yep. in the NFL draft. Yeah. That's right. why I do four different versions, though. Right. Because that... It has nothing yeah. to do with starting a conversation or bringing some perspective to the whole thing, right? It's actually Correct. an absolute replica of what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, what is actually going to... No, it is... You've become the mock draft guy. When you were gone, I had... I think I was talking to Fishbane, and he was like, yeah, I had a Hogan in those mock drafts. 
like, yeah, you know, like not not nothing against your mock drafts. They're great, and I love mm-hmm. them when they come out. But it's the reaction from Bears fans and NFL. Everyone gets people. so it's like yeah. it sparks this controversial debate all the time. Uh, yeah, Fishbane was already texting me yesterday. Uh, who was going to be in the mock draft? He said, "How many cats are in tomorrow's mock?" As in Northwestern Wildcats. All right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that is not ready to publish. However, it is done. You got it as so, a draft. You're ready since, to hit publish. So since a lot of people are going to listen to this as a podcast, we're going to talk about. It. I'm going to go through the players um, and and discuss the Bears mock draft 3.0 a little want, bit. Do you want to talk a little baseball, Mister uh, White Sox post game uh, host? We we could talk a little bit. bit of was, baseball. So, so I was I was at a bar because I wanted to do. I ended up going it was like last minute. I'm like, okay, I'll pop up because I wanted to watch. I j- like I was have a serious. I mean, because I cover the team, of course, but like the White Sox are interesting. Yeah, they're interesting. They are, and like so- it was a th- their third game of the year, and Sox fans were genuinely pissed off about the way that game ended. Like everyone wanted last night. Like it, ma- like it mattered I, to some people. You know I, what I, mean? I got the tweets. Yeah, the the bullpen and isn't going to get like, anybody out the pe- whole year. People are mad at Ricky. They're like, what, what is Farquhar doing in there in the seventh inning? Yeah. Well, uh, we we can talk a little bit about that. I want to talk about some of these unwritten rules that are already coming up in baseball. Okay. So let's do that next because there was something that happened last night in the Sox game which was weird. Didn't even know it was a thing. It popped up. Uh, and things got a little dicey for a second. Uh, and then there was something from the Twins game with the Orioles over the weekend, too, that I wanted to discuss. So we'll do baseball next, wrap things up later on with uh, the Bears Mock Draft 3.0 and Buried Headlines. We'll take our first time out here and, and come back, talk a little bit about the White Sox and the beginning of baseball season and how the Cubs aren't going to score a run the rest of the season. This is Sports Central. Chicago's Sports Conversation. This is Sports Central with Adam Hogue. Kevin Powell sitting in today, too, discussing the national championship game Villanova beats. I love the way Jalen Brunson plays basketball. Yeah. Makes the defense look uncomfortable. Makes the defenders look uncomfortable. He reminds me of Chris Paul. Like a point guard who dribbles to spots you're not anticipating. Like... Just you're watching and you're like, wow, I just wasn't anticipating that. Love the way he plays. I love the way he started the game. Just like pulls up, drives the lane, post up a big man, turn around, jumper right in the lane. Yeah. And he did that late in the first, I think it was late in the first half. He was the uh, clock's winding down. He let the ball roll up to about half court before he picked it up to hold off the clock from starting. He's a smart point. Picks up the ball, takes two dribbles, pops a three pointer. (laughs) It's almost like he went to Stevenson. It's or almost something. like, yeah, he's a nice, well rounded Midwest Chicago area kid. All right. Uh, last night in the White Sox game, the, the uh, this thing happened. And it's, it's a different, you know, this is why I love baseball. Something new comes up all the time. Anyway, uh, Josh Donaldson is up to bat for the Toronto Blue Jays, okay, in the sixth inning, I believe. And he does this. The next one to Josh, a high fly ball that's hit well to right. Carrying into the warning track at the corner. This is going to go. Yep. Game tying home run opposite field. Push it about 400 feet inside the pole and right. Got an even game. Yeah, I don't even think it ended up being 400 feet. I think it was like. Three. I couldn't tell if Donaldson was actually trying to go oppo or if that was just one of those things where he swung and he hit it because yeah. he kind of looked up and he was like, oh. Yeah, I don't think he meant to do that. He's like, oh, it's going a long so way. So he, he hits an oppo home run that goes, you know, for him, not. It wasn't as deep as they normally are. And he stares his home run down. Like, I mean, he posed and did the yeah, whole I saw thing. That. Yeah. And I was like, 
Okay. I mean, I, I have no problem with that. I, I remember precisely when, when he did that. I said, when, you, you've, when you've won an MVP, you can do that. I have no. I love flashiness in baseball. I think it adds to the game. In fact, I like this whole thing, the way it's played out, that I'm about to tell you. Okay. So, But then he goes around the bases, and he gets to home plate, and he stares down the White Sox dugout. Wow. And he puts two fingers at his mouth as to make a whistling noise. Okay. And he like did it very emphatically, very aggressively at the White Sox dugout. And Jason Benetti and Steve Stone, I was in here watching the the TV broadcast, and I know, and you know, I had Farmer uh, and, and DJ on too in the other room, and was trying to listen to what they they were saying about it. I mean, both both broadcasts were like confused with what he was doing, and also like, all right, what like what's your problem, man? Which I think is a completely fair reaction. Well, Colleen Kane from the Chicago Tribune, who is now covering the Bears, barely now back covering the White Sox, because, you know. Can't believe they don't have a full time beat reporter, yeah, but that's a whole other discussion. Exa- exactly. Anyway, Colleen Kane's been covering the Sox for a long time. She's back yeah. covering the Sox. She's in Toronto, and she put two and two together that Daryl Boston, Debo, the White Sox first base coach, yes. actually blows a real whistle. Which I didn't know this yet. Still new to the broadcast team. Something I certainly probably would have figured out here. But did not know this. Blows a whistle whenever the White Sox make good defensive plays. And apparently he's been doing this for long enough that Josh Donaldson is annoyed by it. And Debo found out before the game that Josh Donaldson is annoyed by the whistle. So when Josh Donaldson came to the plate... Debo blew the whistle. So he has a whistle that he blows during the game? Which, by the way, I didn't even know was legal. I don't think it is. Apparently it is. He does it. Because it, from what I've read, it sounds like it's an actual whistle, not his, not him making a whistling noise. So he uses it for what? For defensive positioning? No, no. Just to like as a thing that he does whenever someone makes a nice play. So let's say hypothetically Josh Donaldson lines out to Tim Anderson, who makes a ridiculous catch. Debo from the makes this whistling noise, and if you're the guy who just hit that ball that got robbed, I could see why you'd be annoyed by that, right? So this apparently goes back far enough that Donaldson's annoyed by it. This is the first game of the series, the first game these two teams have played all year against each other, <laughs> and it got back to Debo before the game that Donaldson was annoyed. So he blows the whistle. Donaldson hits a home run, blows the whistle back in their face. Good for him, man. I got no problem with that. If that's how this is all really playing out, that's cool. You know what I love about baseball and really professional sports in general? Like, baseball is such a child's game, right? Like, it's the, and I think it keeps the youth alive with a lot of these players. That's why some baseball players are just like, so the whole like being of a professional baseball player is like why there's movies about it and like it's just comical in general. It's grown men basically being kids and playing baseball and like this is something that would happen like on the playground basically exactly. you know like a kid who's doing something that bothers the other team and then the other guy mocks him with it that's hilarious yeah. i hope somebody asked daryl boston well he, he said that home run was on me he took responsibility for the D- home run boston said that yeah <laughs> <laughs> i missed this whole scenario playing out yeah as I was, I was had my right eye on the Sox game, my left eye on the national championship. I did not know that Debo walks around with a a whistle. 
I got to get clarification on what this whistle actually is. That seems crazy that you seems can just like blow. Can it's like blow. having like a blow horn like in your dugout. Well, once it was pointed it's like, out. It's like the horn from the national uh, title game at, in uh, San Antonio. Yeah, it, Somebody just blowing that thing off in the middle of the game. And, and once it was pointed out, I noticed it on the broadcast. I could hear it. You could hear the whistle. That's That's insane. Yeah. How has nobody else made a fuss about this in the past? Well, apparently the Royals weren't happy about it over the weekend. I totally get it. I know. (laughs) So Josh Donaldson hit a home run because he was mad about it. Good for him, dude. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm team Donaldson on this one. So this one I don't have a problem with. Here's the one I do have a problem with. See what happened in the Twins-Orioles game over the weekend? So the Twins are beating the Orioles 7-0. And whoever's pitching had a one-hitter going. And the rookie catcher for the Orioles decides to bunt against the shift to get on base in a one-hitter. And Brian Dozier got all upset about it. Went off in the media about it, how it's unwritten rule, you don't bunt in a one-hitter. Okay, first of all, who's ever heard of that? Sure, I heard that. We could have a debate about a no-hitter. Um, I still think that a guy should be able to do whatever he wants to get on base. There was already a hit, though. Before. Oh, yeah. No, no, this was a, exactly. Exactly. It's a one-hitter. It's a one-hitter. Not a no-hitter. It's a one-hitter. This was the Orioles' second hit of the game. All right. So Dozier's upset. So Dozier's... First, and then first, because he's like, the game's over. What are you doing? Okay, if the game's over... Who cares? Then why are you shifting? <laughs> right? That's that's a valid point, Adam Hogue. So a bunch of people brought that up. Right, if you're going to take the time to put strategy into the game when it's seven nothing, then you can't you you can't play that card. Don't shift that. Then. then the guy won't bunt against you right down the line because that's what he did. He bunted against the shift. Right. Good for him. Brian Brian Dozier's argument is that the game's at in hand and uh, there needs to be no strategy and let's just play the final nine outs and go ho- shower and go home and get some dinner. So then he. Got roasted for this, understandably so, uh, and was asked about it again. I guess the next day because it, you know everyone's like, "Well, why'd you have the shift on then?" And his point then was, "Well, what everyone's missing is that in the inning before the Twins had a runner on first, and the Orioles did not hold the runner on as to as to say this game's over. You shouldn't be stealing." By not holding them on, I guess. Like we're just assuming you're not going to try to steal second because this game's over, so we're, we're not even going to hold you on. And and Dozier said that so we did not steal, so we did not take second base when no one was holding us on. So we did our part to to say the game was over, and then they come up the next inning and they bunt down the line. Uh, that seems like a stretch to me, man. Calm down, Brian Dozier. Doesn't Dozier have like three homers already? By the way, probably he's good. He's a good player. I mean, though, it's like just so absurd when players get upset about these sorts of things and unwritten rules are brought up. I think Molitor was upset, too. Um, you know what? You're winning 7 nothing, and the team can do whatever the hell they want. Right. Can we talk about the White Sox a little bit? Sure. Uh, I thought Reynaldo Lopez looked pretty strong last night. He was outstanding. He was very good. Six innings, two hits, one earned run, two walks, six strikeouts. Gave up a homer. The bullpen blew it for him. And Sox fans, there's some obvious, like, there is um, angst. 
Yeah, like, but there's serious interest with with White Sox fans. So the fact that there were Sox fans pissed off in the third game of a rebuilding year that that tells you something. Like, it actually matters to people. I think people are dialed in watching. Well, you're always going to have your your diehards that are paying attention. Like, I was I was actually pleasantly surprised with the Twitter interaction I was still getting after the national championship game started last night. Because I was right here in this studio watching the Sox game, getting ready for post-game duties, uh, and was still, you know, I had the, the basketball game on the side TV, but was hardly paying attention to it and tweeting out some White Sox stuff as it happened. And a lot of people were still... Um, we're still interacting and watching the Sox game. Do you like Yoa Moncada at the leadoff spot? I do. Here's what I'm trying to figure out with Yoa Moncada. I do like him. I, I'm totally fine with him at the leadoff spot. Great batter's eye. Solid plate discipline. All those sorts of things. He can run the bases. I just don't know the type of player. I I, I I believe and I have no reservations that Johan Moncada is going to be a great baseball player. I just don't know what type of player he's going to turn into. For a while, there were some comps. Maybe he's like Robinson Cano. <clears throat> some people are saying he's a 30-30 guy. I don't know if he has that sort of power. Maybe he does, but I, is he a middle-of-the-order guy? I, I, I don't know. I just don't know what sort of player he projects as. Well, he's going to be a... 20 homer and 80 RBI guy and well I don't think I don't think we know yet but what we right. what we do know and this is why I like him in the leadoff spot you can tell that he is going to be one of these guys that gets on base yes quite frequently okay and that's what you want on your leadoff spot so his power is going to come we saw that the other night in Kansas City I mean that home run he hit was a bomb it was a laser, and it didn't even look like he got all of it off the bat. So there is natural power there that's going to show up. And I think it's going to take some time before that's consistently there. But he's going to take walks. He's going to get on base. And so why not have him in that leadoff spot? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I think long-term, you'd probably like him in your in the two spots, similar sure. to Chris Bryant, you know, your best, your best hitter. Uh, Matt Davidson. Matt Babe Ruth Davidson. Three ding-dongs on opening day. 27 years old. I, I can't um, I can't decide if, if I believe he is a long-term piece to when this championship window does open. I don't know for sure. Well, this somebody, bit- he's going to hit 35, 40 homers and DH for you down the road. I think I think you're fine with that, actually. I think he does kind of factor into the equation. Yeah, but this is a this is a big season for him no because he, he needs to show that he can do more than just hit home runs. That's why I didn't get overly excited on opening day. Well, uh, you, you know, you love the three home runs. That's great. Um, but it didn't... Not that this was a negative for that day, but all I'm saying is on that specific day, it didn't really show you the things that he's been trying to work on and look good in the spring. And I talked to him about this in the spring when I was there. You know, he's trying to hit the all fields. He's trying to show that he can hit for more average. He's never going to hit for 300, you know, but, but he's, he's hoping to spread the ball around. And when the teams, like yesterday, there was a massive hole. Uh, to the right side the way they had him played, and I would love to see him go that way. Okay, And instead, and this was in the eighth inning, he struck out on a pitch that was never in the zone. And it was a nasty pitch, but it was never in the zone. Um, and, and, and those are the kind of the key at-bats in that type of moment with Abreu getting a double right ahead of him. That That's where you're looking for him to deliver more this season, not necessarily always with the long ball. Back to Reynaldo Lopez. We had Steve Stone on, the sh- on with... Uh 
Steve Stone, now a frequent uh, contributor on WGN. I believe he goes on with Cochran, and uh, he's on with Roe. Anyways, he was on with Roe and us uh, yesterday afternoon, and I asked him about Reynaldo Lopez and where he thinks long-term Lopez factors into the equation. Where does he factor into the rotation? He thinks Lopez is probably a, a fourth starter at best, fourth or fifth back end of the rotation guy. He said he could even be more of like a um, Mike Montgomery, Hector Santiago. Who said this? Steve Stone. Really? Yeah. So, I don't know, man. His... So that's why I'm curious. I, I wanted to bring it up. He said Lopez is a fourth or fifth guy or maybe even just like a, a, a bullpen long-inning relief guy. Well, I can see why the fallback well, I think he wasn't knocking Ronaldo well, Lopez. Well, time out. If he becomes a reliever, I think he's more of a high leverage guy. The guy can touch ninety nine on his fastball. Yeah, and and he's and he, you know is he's throwing less curveballs. It's more like a slider now. The changeups he's throwing more changeups, a lot more changeups. He, I don't know. He he looks like he has good enough stuff to be more than a fourth or fifth guy in the rotation. Now he's got to command it all. That's the big question. Can he do that? And I, my guess is he's going to struggle from you know every once in a while to command it. Last night it was there. Yeah, the command f- for all the three young guys that actually matter long term for the White Sox and Fulmer, Giolito, and Lopez. That's that's been the biggest issue for all of them over the past two seasons has been command, and you see that with young pitchers a lot. Um, two walks last night for Lopez. Giolito had three walks, I believe. Uh, Miguel Gonzalez starts tonight, and then is it? Yeah, then it's Fulmer. Fulmer tomorrow. Yeah, the worst part of that uh, Easter Day postponement was the fact that White Sox fans have James Shields on on the home opener. Because it would have worked out where it would have been Giolito, which I thought was perfect. Like when everybody was up in arms about Shields getting the opening day, I'm like, you can't. Like people were genuinely pissed that Giolito wasn't getting the opening day nod. Like he needs to he needs to pitch in big moments. He needs to experience these sorts of games. And I'm like, I don't think. Lucas Giolito, like he's not going to be pitching the postseason two years from now. We're going to look back and be like, yeah, if he had that opening day start a couple of years ago, things yeah. would be different right now. But I, I said it matters more as to who is going to be the home opener starter, and I, I said Giolito would be perfect. Well, for the fans' side for the, of it, for sure. The fans, and it's sort of like for him, symbolic to the, the the where the franchise is a little sure. bit. I, doesn't, I, doesn't I'm okay matter a whole lot. I'm okay with him ending up pitching Saturday. Of course, you hope it's Saturday. You seen this weather? Yeah, but from what I've heard, like Demetrius Ivory says, I th- should be all right. They're going to get it in Thursday. Well, be they better because the high on Friday is thirty-two. Yeah, it's it's not, not supposed good. to rain on Friday, but they don't usually play games when it's around freezing. So you'll be out there Thursday. Are you going to be out there Saturday and Sunday as uh, well? All I don't weekend? need to be. Carm's doing those post games, but I may come out there. Uh... Thursday, by the way, the whole WGN family is going to be out at uh, or in or around Sox Park. Uh, Cochran and Ennett will be inside, guaranteed rate from 6 to 10 a.m. Then uh, the fun begins with Bill and Wendy at 10 a.m. at Cork and Carey. And Steve Bertrand will be out there for his show. And then from 1 to 2.30, it's like everybody's out there. It's John Williams, Rose out there, Anna's out there, Violetta's going to be out there. Violetta's going to give us. She's going to do an hour on the White Sox because she's big into sports like that. So yeah. she's going to give us her, uh, her her analysis on the White Sox. Yeah, right before the show, she told me she didn't know that Kyle Long was a football player. Yeah, yeah. She was telling us how she served Kyle Long once at uh, Public House, ate a lot of chicken wings. Um, I'll be out there as well from one to two thirty. It's going to be a fun day. We're going to do all sorts of stuff this year. I'm are you? F- 
Are you looking at this forecast, man? High of 43 on Thursday with uh, light rain and snow developing in the afternoon. Sounds beautiful. Chance of rain, 60%. If it gets rained out, the high on uh, Friday is 34. Saturday's 33. Sunday's 34. I mean, usually they don't play games when it's that cold. Can I petition that this weekend gets moved to Milwaukee? Where they have a roof? Cubs home opener is Monday, by the way, and there's also snow showers in the forecast. AM snow showers. Mm -hmm. And snow showers early Monday night. (laughs) Yeah, God, it sucks during. It sucks to live here sometimes. We're not going to touch fifty until Thursday of next week. Yeah, when but it's the, all rain. For when a... the uh, White Sox head to Minnesota, where I'm sure it'll still be thirty. Yikes! We have a lot of games in July. <laughs> yes, it's gonna be double headers every day. Right. All right. Uh, good. Let's take uh, our, our second time out here, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the NFL draft, Bears mock draft, a three point out, three point oh coming out today on WGNRadio.com. This is Sports Central. All right, let's continue this love fest. There it is. It's Sports Central with Adam Hogue. No big deal. On demand <gasps> and in real time on WGNRadio.com. Well, that's the voice of Vic Fangio in that rejoin that we have. Talking about a love fest. Let's continue this love fest, Adam Hogue. Wondering who he is in love with among these NFL draft prospects. I've been very clear that there's four non-quarterbacks who, you know, in a perfect world, four QBs get drafted in the top eight. That means the Bears get one of four players that I have deemed to be a little bit above everyone else. One of those guys is obviously Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. One of those guys is Bradley Chubb who might be the most important guy for the Bears to get because he is the by far the best edge rusher in this draft. And unfortunately, I don't think either of those guys are going to make it to number 8. The two guys who potentially could are Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame, mm-hmm. who I absolutely love. Yep. And then the last guy is Minka Fitzpatrick, who you might say, well... He's a corner or safety. You have corners and safeties right now. It's not the most, the biggest need. To which I will say, he is a blend of both. And if you watched him at Alabama, he was really more like a slot corner. And guess what? You need a slot corner, and he would be an incredible one at that. But do you want to take a slot corner with the eighth spot? Uh, why not? It's probably not as important as some other positions. But it is uh, a position that t- in today's NFL, you're almost always in nickel. And he's going to on the field a ton. And he can move around and play everywhere. And he would be, trust me, an incredible upgrade over Bryce Callahan and Craven LeBlanc. He, the one thing about the Bears' secondary last year is they still did not create a whole lot of turnovers. <clears throat> Kyle Fuller didn't create a whole lot of turnovers. They just paid him a ton of money. They need guys... First of all, the pass rush needs to be better to help that, and then they need more ball hawks. And after it, Chubb, who's the best pass rusher? I mean, that's the big question. Um, I love the kid from UTEP, but we're talking more like teens for him. Uh, this gets this is a perfect segue to to this mock draft because I did this one with the thinking that actually only three quarterbacks go, and all four of those guys are off the board. Who do you take then? All right. My last mock draft, I had um, Josh Jackson from Iowa, the corner. Since that mock draft, the Bears have re-signed Kyle Fuller and Prince of Mukamara. All of a sudden, that need has changed. Um, 
There's a linebacker out of Virginia Tech named Tremaine Edmonds. Yes, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Your scouting report on Edmonds. So Edmonds is 19 years old still. He's incredibly athletic. Raw project type guy. And he's huge. He's 6'4". Long arms. Long arms. Um, 4'5", He played more of an inside linebacker role, though, at Virginia Tech. And the question is, is he an enormous inside linebacker? Or a will linebacker in a 4-3? I've seen comparisons to Brian Urlacher with Tremaine Edmonds. Right. So here's the problem with that. His instincts suck. Not a smart player yet. Brian Urlacher's instincts were off the charts. Maybe his best asset is how smart of a player he was. Watch five minutes of Tremaine Edmonds, and you can see that he's just relying on his speed and athleticism to make plays, which is good. So when I look at this kid, I go... Well, if I want an inside linebacker, wouldn't you rather go Roquan Smith? Roquan right Smith there? all day. I mean, he's a smart player. And he he's is everywhere, smart. and he's still speed. He fits into the modern era of football as well. He can go sideline to sideline. He can track down guys. I, it, Roquan Smith in the Rose Bowl sold. Oh my god, he was so good. I was like, he's taking over. So the question is, so in my mind, let's eliminate Edmonds as an inside linebacker. If the Bears are drafting him at number eight overall. They are going to make him a pass rusher. Okay? So, would you rather have a 19-year-old, very high upside project on the edge, a very high position of need right now? He may end up being better than Bradley Chubb if he develops correctly. And then you you mitigate some of the instincts issues because you're telling him, just go get the quarterback. High risk, high reward guy. Right? Would you rather have that or Roquan Smith Which is pretty much Georgia, a guarantee. Who, who, I'm telling you that kid's going to be the quarterback of the defense within a year, and be and he's going to start year one. And the, by the way, let's not ignore the inside linebacker position. The Bears starters right now are 28-year-old Danny Trevathan, who's been hurt a lot, and much younger third-year linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski, who, by the way, has been hurt a lot. The backups are John Timu and Jonathan Anderson, who have been on the Bears for 1,700 years. It's actually been three, but... I think anybody, every Bears fan would be just fine with a Roquan Smith draft at the A spot. But I've seen Smith projected. I'm, I'm turning into one of your uh, mock draft analysts uh, here. But I've seen him projected anywhere from like 8th to the Bears to down to like 30th in the first round. Why, why is that? Why is there a wide range of projections for him in, in the draft? It's not like a, I haven't seen a consensus like top 10 pick for Smith. And I guess some of that probably has to do with need and those sorts of things. Yeah. But. I've seen a wide range of where he could end up in the first round. Well, it's kind of like um, guard versus tackle in terms of like positional value. Yeah, you know, most teams running a three-four will say that you got to get the edge rushers before the inside linebackers, uh, and you can certainly understand that. And and honestly, I think if you look at what the Bears have done the last three years under Vic Fangio, they've kind of told you too that the inside linebacker spots aren't as important. Um, so that's the one thing where, I, and I actually did write this in my, depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening live, my mock draft is not up live on WGNRadio.com quite yet. It will be as soon as the show's over and I can finish posting everything. Um, so if you're listening to the podcast, it's probably up right now. But I mentioned this in what I wrote today. To me, Tremaine Edmonds fits the Ryan Page draft profile a lot more than Roquan Smith does. Yeah, let's well, let's look back. Leonard Floyd absolutely was a bit of a project there, raw guy, high upside project. Two years ago, who he traded up for. 
They and they have not really valued the inside linebacker position other than going out and getting Danny Trevathan. They paid him a decent amount of money, but not a ton. And he was really a John Fox guy from Denver. John Fox analyst now. Yeah, let's not talk about that. So funny. I love it. I love how all these athletes and coaches and managers hate on the media when they're in the game. Mm-hmm. And then the second they need a job, they're like, hey. Well, the thing that really bothers me, and it's not so much this isn't John Fox's fault, but ESPN has been laying off good journalist after good journalist after right. good journalist it's after like, good it's journalist. All it is is like but former then they, coaches in these roundtables. But then they come up with the money to pay a guy who, tr- who A, can't talk, and B, treated the media like garbage. So it's a tough sell. It's it's a it's a really tough sell uh, that one, but whatever. I'm going to leave the rest of this to read on wgnradio.com. Unless you want me to give you one more. Yeah. How about going with a guard in the second round? Okay. Who do you got? Billy Price from Ohio State. Here's the debate I can bring you, and this is why I'll get killed for this one. He tore his peck at the combine. It's a first-round pick, guys, who's falling to the Bears in the second because he tore his pack. So do you not draft a guy because he ha- he's injured? Or do you look at the fact that he never missed a game four years starting for the Ohio State University? Very good first-round talent. Are you okay with it? No. Well, I guess in the second round, that's fine. But it's, I mean, it's 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 like too broad. It's too hard for me to say yes or no. I have to know more about the the injury. Well, he he. Can we get the NFL pro doc, uh, your buddy, on the on the line? Well, like, he had surgery. He's going to be ready for training camp. That's the well, word. He would be ready for training camp. Yeah, it's a four month injury. It's usually what it is in the season too. Okay. Have we have we have any other the comps to that? People who have torn their pecs and how they recover and perform. Yeah, usually like uh, for instance, Drew Freeman tore his pec week one. Right. Missed the whole season. Because it's four months. It's a four-month injury. The season's four months. Okay. I don't mind taking guys... He he hurt it on a bench press, probably pushing too hard, because the combine encouraged... And this was one of the guys who were like, maybe he'll hit 40. So he was probably pushing too hard to try to set a record. Tore his peck. Never missed a game at Ohio State in four years. I would put more value on that than a weightlifting injury. Can you see a scenario of Ryan Pace trading up again in the draft or trading down and getting another extra pick? We talked about this on the Hogan Johns podcast on Monday. And the answer is yes. And I don't think people are paying attention to that enough. This guy has shown you. People are all like, oh, he's not going to do it because he did it the last two years. When in my mind, I'm going, that shows you he'll do it. It's it's a trend there, folks. And and if... Here's a scenario I'll paint. If Bradley Chubb is sitting there and, like, you know, the Colts at six and the Bucks at seven might want him. Now, it would probably cost a lot to move up to five. Yeah. But you could do it. So the only player, though, you would see them trading, like, is Chubb the only guy that you think he would trade up for? Well, what I'm saying is whether it's Chubb or Nelson, whoever. Barkley. Just imagine that there's a draft board. Imagine if he traded up for Barkley. I'd love it. That would be. Well, that's another thing. What if Matt Nagy believes that Saquon Barkley is the difference between his offense being really, really good and highly, highly explosive? Saquon Barkley in that offense just seems perfect to me. Doesn't it? Like perfect. He can he can do everything. He can catch. He can run. He's an, he's like a generation. I don't know if I want to go that far, but he's he incredible, could be an incredible talent. He's big. People have thrown up Barry Sanders comparisons. 
He he he's a once in a in a uh, decade type player. It feels like so, but yeah. Look look at Ryan Pace's track record here. We've seen a guy who's been for the most part ninety percent of the time pretty cautious, pretty careful, pretty calculated. But when he has fallen in love with a guy, when he has that conviction, and he uses that word conviction like he did with Mitch Trubisky last year, like he did with uh, Allen Robinson, like he did with Matt Nagy. He goes and makes his move. So, if Ryan Pace's draft board says that Saquon Barkley is, you know, the missing piece to the Bears' offense, the guy Matt Nagy needs, or that Bradley Chubb is so far and away better than every other pass rusher, and that is a huge position to need for the Bears' defense right now, and Vic Fangio wants that guy more than anybody, what is a a random fourth-round pick? Right. Why, why does that matter? Well, and I, I look. I love the 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 thought process. Like f- for me, I was totally all in, and I was actually fine with with Ryan Pace doing what he did to move up one position in the draft to get Mitch Trubisky. And I've said this a thousand times. You might as well, if you think Mitch Trubisky is worth taking at two, and you think he is a franchise quarterback, you could trade all your damn draft picks that year, and I wouldn't yeah. care. Because if Trubisky pans out, it worked, and it was just fine, and no one's going to be missing a fifth-round pick that you gave away or a third-round pick, and no one's going to be talking about that. If you have a franchise quarterback, you go you go for it. I don't care what you gave up for it. And like it's the, it's the thought process. Like It's a great time to be a Cubs fan because Theo and Jed do what basically Cubs fans talk about at a bar. Like, wow, wouldn't it be great if we go get you, Darvish? Who cares if we have to overpay him? Guess what? It's going to help us win a World Series. You just do what makes sense, regardless of the price. So honestly, I got goosebumps, Hoag. Barkley to the Bears. Do it. Book it. Do it. Go get Barkley. Saquon. Or Chubb. Or both. Do something crazy. Do something something crazy. All right. Dude, Barkley to the Bears. Bears fans would go nuts. You think they would cheer for it, or were they freak out? Or well, they freak out? Like I love. It I depends love, on what they gave up my, for. My favorite thing in the history of this organization, all my time covering, is I spend so many days of my life covering Jay Cutler and all these fans that can't stand the guy, want to run him out of the town, and then the GM gets rid of him, goes and drafts a franchise quarterback, and everybody's pissed. Right. I said the same Bro, thing. I'm like, I'm like, the Bears have never had a quarterback that's their own that they drafted and made a and built a franchise around. Sure, they got Cutler, but like they've the, forever. Bears fans are like, can't we just have a good franchise quarterback? Somebody we go get. And Ryan Pace goes and gets a quarterback, and everyone's like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> How many picks did he give up? You gotta be kidding me! Fire this. Oh, sorry, can I say that? Uh, just wait until the third round comes around this year, and the Bears don't have a third round pick. It'll start oh again. My God. We should we should figure out like yep. the timing of when the third round is going to start. I'm going to check my Twitter uh-huh. feed, and it's going to be pissed off Bears fans. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe we traded this. Third we could have got thing. this cornerback from right. from Minnesota. Uh, all right, let's sneak some buried headlines in here very very quickly go. before we get out of here. All right, so uh, this is from Darren Ravel on ESPN. Uh, Twitter account attributed to Villanova's Dante DiVincenzo, who we started the show with. The most outstanding player of the Final Four has been deleted. DiVincenzo scored a career-high 31 points during the Wildcats' 79-62 win over Michigan. His sudden celebrity led some on social media to look up his account, and what they found was less than flattering. Yeah. This is like that Mitch Trubisky. What was the Mitch Trubisky Kissing titties. Yeah. 
But like that that wasn't even that I mean Yeah, well like, and Adam Shaheen had like pictures of guns on his from like four or five years ago. Like I mean, but who's gonna argue with Trubisky's like tweet? Assault rifles though. Who doesn't love kissing them? Uh the account which had more than seventeen thousand tweets and was mostly active when DiVincenzo was in high school. Fourteen years old. Contained several tweets that used the N word. Some of those tweets came from rap lyrics. Other tweets used derogatory terms for gay people. After the game, Villanova's basketball account tweeted that DiVincenzo's account had been hacked. None of these statements attributed he to... Was, his hack was... Wait, they're going with the hacked route? Yeah, that... People who, who, need to stop saying that they were hacked. That's we're all hacked. anybody says. I was hacked. I got hacked. I got hacked. It wasn't me. Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. If, like, uh, if, it, like, it, if, this, if this show's terrible, I'm just going to say I, I got hacked. I don't know if it's just because... It wasn't of, really me here. I don't know if it's because of all the crazy-ass things that are going on in the world, but like that didn't even like move the needle for me at all. No? No? Uh, no, he was 14. It was, I guess... How about this? Rapolas Ivanowskis is transferring from Northwestern. Does that do anything for you? Not a whole lot. The Masters has prohibited any fan from yelling the phrase dilly dilly at this year's masters <laughs> that's a that's a that's a true story bryce ritchie tweeted just been told security staff at augusta national have been handed a sheet with a list of sayings that are prohibited i'm told dilly dilly is one of them patrons who shout out these phrases will be removed immediately masters they do not mess around they will grab your ass and pull you out of there and you will never go back and step foot on augusta national ever again good but like, but people like yell. Certain tournaments have a vibe where the gallery is a little bit more involved. Sure, um, and I'm okay with it actually. Um, like people for a while were yelling mashed potatoes. Remember that mashed potatoes every time the, the ball was hit. Um, I'm a Miller Lite guy, so I'm totally cool with this. But why? What is wrong with these people that yell out? They because they uh, get in the hole. Get in the hole. See, that's what, like I'm okay with getting the hole. That's a but. classic golf shouting. It's so phrase. annoying. Get in the hole almost feels nostalgic to Be me. Be more at this point. creative. Like nobody even yells "get in the hole" anymore. People yell "mashed potatoes" and "dilly dilly." Like "dilly Get dilly." The- mashed potatoes is cre- creative, but it makes no sense. Yeah, like, it's, it's hilarious funny. when it's a par five and a guy hits it off the tee yeah, and someone goes "get in the hole." If you're the and then 550 yards from the hole, but if you're the jerk who is gonna. Cry out for attention so you could hear right. your voice heard on buddy, your his, DVR when you go back home and watch it. Recorded on his phone, right. dude. I heard you. If you're gonna be, feet. if you're gonna be that guy, at least be creative. You can do better and get in the hole. But, oh, I was the guy that yelled "get in the hole." But get in the hole, nobody yells it anymore. That was yes, like, they do. It's annoying. No, they still do no. It. Now people yell just like stupid things, like "dilly dilly." Here, here's something. Get in the hole is like is a lost phrase in golf. Like I grew up, people yelling "get in the hole," and I haven't heard that enough lately. So I'm I'm bringing back. Get yeah, in the I bet hole. you haven't. <laughs> I have a fun thought for you guys. What if somebody yelled Alexa something something? Oh, to hey, Alexa, like, order some pizzas. Uh, yeah, yeah. and somebody that. at home is going to be like, <laughs> "Sorry, get pizzas Alexa, now. don't order." Todd Manley's office is yeah. now ordering. The good news is, by the time we get back over there, we'll have pizza. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully some. Uh, I had a Rillios for the first time. Yeah, holy hell, is that good pizza? Pretty good. Really strong. The crust and the sauce. Yeah. They have like a lot of stuff on the south side, and uh, they there's a location off Michigan Avenue, and they brought us pizzas in a couple weeks ago. Time out, I, everybody. Kevin's on a food uh, I tangent. I'll go for another hour. I know we have 60 seconds left, but I'm not a huge pepperoni pizza guy. 
I'm also, not, do, you prefer, do you prefer the pepperoni placed on top of the cheese or underneath the cheese? On. Because you like the crust, like, do you, you like it on top? I mean, of it the- depends. If it's deep dished, then under. See, I've always been an under the cheese guy because I don't like when the pepperoni, like, it curls up. All right, I've so, never noticed that a single time. What are you talking about? You never crunch, noticed you know? that. No, I don't like that. I don't just, like crunch on my pizza. Right. But anyways, the Aurelios <laughs> has a proprietary blend of their pepperoni. A what blend? Proprietary blend. Their own version. Like, they have a specific pepperoni they the use. a big word there. Proprietary is a big word? Yeah. I wouldn't classify that as a big word. Um, their pepperoni does not bubble up and curl up and crust up. It's just nice, lays flat. Doesn't get overly crunchy. Proprietary is not a big word, dude. <laughs> o- open up your vocabulary, Adam Hogue. If you think that's a big word, Propi- I mean it's a it's proprietary. a proprietary. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's the kind of words you guys use on the Rocon show. I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Anyways, Aurelio's great pepperoni pizza. My point was, I normally go sausage. If I went back to Aurelio's, I would get pepperoni. All right, Aurelio's proud sponsor of Sports Central. They're not, but they should be. Good. Well, I'll look into that. Kids right. always looking for a food endorsement. It's embarrassing. Who isn't? All right, we got to get out of here. It's hey, a fun show, man. It was. It fun. was a fun and show. Blinked and an hour went by. It goes spot. by so fast. Did we screw anything up, Ben? Do you have any corrections? Uh, I have uh, not really corrections, but uh, I searched everywhere. I don't think Jim Nance gave the tie out. Okay. If he did, it was like in the broom closet, you know, on the other end of the stadium. But something. that doesn't surprise me because he wants to do it privately. He didn't want it to be a big deal. I like that. And, and just for verification, I scoured the MLB rule book. There is not one mention of the term whistle. Yeah, but like anywhere. foreign objects or like noise making. I anything? looked up noise, like anything that could be noise obtrusive. All right, all right. Nothing in there. Surprised teams haven't utilized that strategy. Bring a blowhorn into the dugout. By the way, all the Bears fans or players tweeting that today felt like the first day of school. They were so excited to go back. No one's excited to go to school. Yeah. That's I a mean, bad... Everyone's like, oh, because today was the first day you could work out of House Hall, the offseason. Right. And all the players were tweeting like how excited they were about it. Oh, like Allen Robinson. It's the first day of school. Nobody likes the first day of school. Yeah. But I guess, like, for them, it just it's football, so they're pumped. What's the So what's next on the Bears... Like OTAs, like what's the schedule layout for the offseason here? Well, they have a they have an extra mini camp because they have a new coach. That's They're right. allowed to have an extra mini camp. It is the seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth of April. Of April, will you be there for that? Do they give you media access for any? Yeah, I believe it is open to the media. It's also technically voluntary. Has anyone asked Nagy about his? Restrictions or lack thereof on the media, like John Fox was like the media no. Nazi. No, we're uh, be kind of cool to like ask him about that or sort of. Like I've had some conversations in. with important people. I think it's going to be not as stressful. Okay. I don't know that's going to be drastically relaxed. I would would not expect that. Yeah. Will but Patrick I, Finley still be providing sketches, um, stick figure sketches? I would like to see. Those hopefully, still. yes. Hopefully. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Get uh, in the hole. Kevin's got you guys tomorrow. Uh, we actually don't have a show Thursday. Because it's opening day and everybody's everybody's doing a million things. Uh, And I'll be back Friday. Cool. Here on Sports Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you then.